Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. This is Marek Larwood. Hello, my name is Marek Larwood. It is. It is indeed. Today we're going to be talking about films, as usual. Hooray! Again, again we're in Muswell Hill, as uh, to a regular listeners, not in Camden, so you will not hear sirens or screams of death, hopefully, outside the window. But you also won't hear the scrabbling, barking and chewing of Buddy the Dog. Any ex... Oh, what's next? Any, um... There's a siren. I can't hear one. There's no excuse for any strange sounds. You can't blame it on a dog. No, you can't blame them. I remember once, um, uh, I was, uh, someone told me a story, not my story, about someone trying to blame a fart on a dog at a dinner table. Yeah. And they thought the dog, the dog was underneath the table, so they shout, they broke wind, some old man, and shouted out, you know, Rover! And then the dog came running in from the door. <laughs> <laughs> that's great um, oh, brilliant what film have you been to see in the cinema I went to see the docudrama 20,000 Days on Earth which is a day in the life no it isn't of Nick Cave the mute Australian singer-songwriter how many uh, years is 20,000 Days oh there's a question I don't know in, in his 50s is it Let's do some quick uh, maths with a calculator. Um, 20,000 divided by 365 is 54.79 years. So about 55, I'd say. It'd be annoying if you counted out your, you just missed your 10,000th day birthday or 20,000 yeah, quite. Day. I like the idea of counting it in days, how many thousands of days you've been on Earth. That's quite good. And you realise just how much of your life you've wasted, just mm. pissed away. Or really haven't achieved enough for how many days you've been here. But to be honest, for many hundreds early on, you haven't got any skills, have you? Realistically, you've only got between one hour and two hours to be creative in your life. <laughs> That's right. I missed one of my hours. So Did you? Yeah, I really missed it. So Wasted just it. try, just think every time you're going to the loo, yeah. just try and cut, keep that to a minimum. Cut it short. Get it as short as you can. Get the cleaning process <laughs> quickly done. <laughs> really just rubbing it. You know, no. don't worry about chafage. Just not just everything. Do it. You're trying to get that. But this is not about, it's not a lifestyle guide. <laughs> no. I don't even know what this podcast is anymore. It's about movies. And the movie 20,000 Days on Earth um, is 
a interesting take on the traditional uh, musician documentary. So it is, you know, the, a day in the life of following the musician Nick Cave around with what he does and the people he meets. What's he up to these days? So we can get an insight into the man Nick Cave rather than the man on stage Nick Cave. You know, it's one of those. Some people really love Nick Cave, don't they? They do, they do. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I d- I'm not uh, a huge, huge fan, but I do like... Uh, quite a lot of his stuff. Um, he's he himself is a charismatic man and he's an eloquent man. You know he's um, so he is interesting to listen to, regardless of what's happening. Uh, and but this is a, as I said, a different take on that kind of film because this is basically fictional, but without being a story that's been written down, if you know what I mean. So, Sounds rubbish. So, for instance, you know, he has... It's not an actual day. It's been constructed by, OK, for a bit we'll go to this thing and do this, and then um, we'll be in the studio and play a song, and then I'll go talk to my long-time collaborator Warren Ellis and we'll eat eels, and then I will be in a car and Ray Winston will be there talking to me, and then uh, play some more songs in a, a thing, and then I'll, Kylie Minogue will be in the car... And it's it's and then I'll go to my psychoanalyst so I can talk about my past and then I'll it's go. It's a to, lot done in a day, doesn't it? Well, that it's ridiculous. It's that's. I'm lucky to get through the washing up. Um, and then he goes to um, the an archive in Australia, the Nick Cave archive, to talk about growing up and photos that they have of him. They've got a Nick Cave archive. Yeah, he's quite big in Australia. Um, okay, so have you got an archive? Not yet. I'm looking forward to it though. My mum's got a bit of an archive, just like photo albums and stuff and bits. Of yeah, yeah. My, my my auntie has an archive. She's a she's a collector of photos. What's depressing about my mum's archive about me is just since uh, my brother, niece, and nephews, my archive has got it's been neglected. Has she drawn over your old photos it's, to draw pictures of your no, nieces it's almost, and nephews? It's almost as if. Um, my mum's lost interest in me as a project. Okay, a project. It's <laughs> far less. You know, you think. Well, to be honest, you're well, now just... project manager, aren't you? Your mum. It's an, her old job, and she's well, not in just, charge yeah, anymore. Well, I just put. Well, I used to be. You know, you got twenty, thirty photos a year. Yeah. You've got the big photo albums. I know it's different now, but now you get to you get to two thousand and tens, and it's like we're unlucky to get a photo in there. Wow. Well, there's Marek's foot in the background of this Christmas one. Let's put. Can we put that in and put in... Yeah, if he dies, we'll remember him by that foot. I can't remember. We, I mean, he's just a... Once he's gone bald, I mean, I've just lost interest. Oh, <laughs> uh, what Nick Cave's archive's like. It's, it's... Who knows? Because, you know what? This film is of... Uh, my problem with this film is it's interesting to try and do something different other than the traditional have a camera crew follow Nick Cave around in a day of his life and see what happens. But it's also controlled and, uh, may, you know, decided that he he also helped write it and is the subject of it. Mm-hmm. And there's something uncomfortable about that. It reminded me, ultimately, of... Uh, I presume you watched The Office. Yeah. Do you remember that uh, episode when... Um, David Brent is being interviewed by a magazine or newspaper and he keeps telling the interviewer what to write yes. specifically, like yeah, yeah, yeah. said Brent, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. humorously or whatever. That's what this feels like because we get no insight at all into who Nick Cave is because he's controlled everything that's said. 
And so actually, it's incredibly self-involved and pompous, actually. And you get not an insight into the man whatsoever because it's all a fiction created by him. So rather than we get to see behind the scenes, this is just more scenes about yeah. Nick Cave. And it's a it's a fictional character. It's so he's quite a control freak. comes across as a control freak then. Well, on, interestingly, he talks almost exclusively about himself. There's very little. The, the most interesting bits are him with Warren Ellis and talking about his... Which is a different Warren Ellis to the comic book writer Warren Ellis. Okay. Um, but it's uh, talking to him... And talking about him and him telling stories. Because you just go, ah, there's someone who's incredibly close to being a real person. And then Nick Cave will talk in very florid, Nick cave language about himself and his own beliefs and how important music is. And you just go, I'm not learning anything here. This is feels like a, a, a slow-moving tunnel up your own bum, really. Um, oh, and it's, me. you know, That's for, a good, That is a good title for a film. A slow-moving... A tunnel up a your horror own film. Bum. Yeah, that people start to make a tunnel up your own art, and you realise that you're gradually going to be caught. Right at the end, the twist. You you don't know where this horrible tunnel is, and right at the end, you see your own um, fillings, and you go, "It's been my bum all along." <laughs> that that's the perfect end line. <laughs> it's been my bum all along. Credits. <laughs> Credits. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, it it's it feels like he needs to let go a bit because he does come across as really self-obsessed. I'm intrigued, but you went to the Curzon to watch this. Yes, I did, yeah. And was it full of really cool music people just in tight jeans, just... You know what, it wasn't. It was just uh, Curzon-y people. Was it full or not? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. But it was a late night one. It was, it, it's, it was a... 9.15 at night and so the film doesn't start Easy, till, till 9.30 but no because it's a it's a 90 minute movie you know 87 minutes or something did you um, watch it with Danielle? no no I went with my brother what did he think of it? he's always an intriguing character he brother. is an intriguing character isn't he? Uh, doctor of social science uh, Dr John Reed um, he uh, he enjoyed it like me but it's, again had this same problem he, we agreed we agreed on it uh, that it seems, you know what? There's no actual story because it's just a series of events. So, but your brain obviously makes a story because you're trying to go, well, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And the meta narrative, because uh, because there isn't one, there isn't a, a controlled one, there isn't an intentional one. The meta narrative ends up being, look at this uh, slightly deluded man talk about himself for an hour and a half. You know, so it's like, what, why is he telling us all of this? And all you can think of is, well, he's a bit self-obsessed. And so I've actually come out of it thinking, uh, you know, boy, he's good at he's good with language, and he's an interesting man, and he's a charismatic man. But also, he's a bit sad as well mm. at the same time. And what was Kylie like in it? She was good. She's in it for like two minutes. Okay. Um, but uh, no, she was she was charming enough because, of course, she's in it because they collaborated on his biggest hit, where the where the wild roses grow, yeah. um, which I liked. I thought that was good. He's quite funny actually talking about that because he talks about how suddenly there were loads of people who bought his album, the Bad Seed, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds album, and suddenly realised it it wasn't from them because the rest of it wasn't like that yeah, one song. Yeah. 
Um, he's quite interesting. You know, he is funny and he is interesting, but it just veers into there's too much you in this. When I used to work in a rubbish sales job in Fulham, around the back there was a private membership and we used to go to that every day. Right. Really depressing getting his car and drive off. Well, he lives in Brighton. He lives this in was, Brighton. This was 15 now. years ago. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know what it is? Any documentary about a person, you know, be it Beware of Mr. Baker that I saw recently, or, you know, I'm trying to think of any other documentary about an individual, but there are plenty out there, aren't there, that follows them around. If that individual had been the person calling the shots and who had got this film made, you'd think, what an arsehole. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it needs to be it needs to be an outside eyes interest in you to to humanise you. Otherwise, it's like this is a bit awkward. So, you know, I would say the idea of making a more cinematic experience out of the documentary about a musician, fair play to you, noble experiment. I think the results of the experiment are a bit weird. Poor old Nick Cave. Poor old Nick Cave. How Still like he, his music. How many Davids? You know, it's it's tricky to say. I would, get, I think it's probably five or six. Five. Let's sounds, say six. It sounds like a five from what you're saying. Yeah. No. You know what? It's it's not. The journey was largely enjoyable, and it just got too ridiculous. Uh, it got a bit too pretentious by towards the end, and to the point where I was going, "This is laughable. This this is now feeling like Spinal Tap or something." That the lack of self awareness in this. Everyone's a prick, aren't they? Well, um, talking of pricks, we've got some letters in. <laughs> oh, good, good segue. You line that one up. No, if you do want to write in, thank you very much for writing emails in. <laughs> You're you coming not... across as disingenuous now. Yeah, you I just know. Got it's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Who, who's written in? These people aren't pricks, though. <laughs> You're just digging. Let's move on. Here's a short email from Lee Wood, who says he's Welsh. Um, uh, it says uh, it's about me not liking superhero films Okay. and it says uh, hi guys I know that you're not big superhero fans but wonder what you thought of the news of the Deadpool movie test footage looks fun and it should be different for your normal superhero fare as it doesn't take itself seriously breaking the fourth wall and all thanks Lee I'm Welsh uh, Deadpool yes uh, starring Ryan Reynolds it's been in uh, rumours of its production for a long long time now um I, I I don't read comics, I'm afraid, so I've no idea about Deadpool other than he seems to be a wisecracking assassin with two swords. Um, I, I like the idea of superheroes not taking themselves too seriously. Guardians of the Galaxy did it very well. Um, the best bits of Iron Man and Thor are the bits where they're being a bit sillier. Do we need another one? Is my and Do we need a Ryan Reynolds Just vehicle? Just no more superhero films. Done. Yeah. And we've got no one super. Sorry, this is the one I was talking. That was a general one. I'll reason one out quickly as well. Superhero films, even Merrick might like. Um, good day. Uh, what did you say to a voice? His, his name is Simon Stanley, but he gets called Stanley. Stanley. No, not Yorkshire one. Not yeah, me. like Tetley T. Yeah, good, good day, day, American buddy. Maybe you guessed. Buddy's not here yet. I'm sorry about that. Oh, Paul as well. I'm a long time listening from way back in the absolute days. By far the best film, blah, 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 blah. It's been nice. Um, anyway, I've unsuccessfully written in a few times, but I thought this would be worth a look. Have you seen Dirty Laundry? 
Search on YouTube and you'll find a 10-minute film Thomas Jane made when he fell out with producers of the most recent Punisher sequel. It's an awesome little film with a great surprise cameo by one of Hollywood's true A-listers. Are you also aware of Earthbound, starring Rave Spore? I got it on a plane and found it to be better than the reviews would have suggested. It's a low-budget film, but its appeal for me was how evocative it was of the original Superman film. <laughs> I shan't go on any longer as you're inundated with emails, but implore you to check out both of these. One a gritty manifest, the other a light... Almost rom-com. Bye now and keep watching the films. You best see Stanley. Well, thank you, Stanley. So, uh, Dirty Laundry on YouTube and... Um, Earthbound. I've not yes. seen Earthbound. Um, Rafe's Ball Vehicle. Hmm. Not heard of it. I'll track that down. I've been put off by Rafe's Ball. Why is that? From that rubbish romantic rom-com he did. I can't remember what it was last year. I've worked with him. He, he was... Uh, nice. He was professional, he was quiet, kept himself to himself. That's that's how I would behave in an issue, professional. Very, yeah. very he was very good though, in it, you know, he's a good actor. I must check those out, I should I should have really checked that before I read it out, I feel really bad. That's alright. I mean, we're not, that shows I'm not professional. Do we want to promise we'll see it for next week? No, I don't, I, no, I've learnt in life. Make no promises. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well thank you for your letter. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. This is from Josie Harden. Uh, From Gloucestershire, but now live in Birmingham. Typical South Mid-England. That's meaningless. Going to do do Birmingham. Hello, David, Merrick, Buddy and any guests you may have. My name's Josie. I'm 24 from Gloucestershire, but now live in Birmingham. Exit was a pretty typical South Mid-England. However... Feel free to attempt a farmer voice with brummy twangs. This brummy is a farmer. I've been listening to around for around eight, 18 months. Unlucky. After my cousin Toby recommended the podcast to me, and I've been a faithful listener ever since. I'm mainly writing to thank you for keeping me company on a dreaded long journey home after taking my boyfriend, Kieran, to Leeds to start a master's. Your witty chat and thoughtful remarks. Which episode was that? I don't know what podcast she's into. The wrong po- she's written into the wrong podcast. Wrong, wrong. Keep me cheerful the whole way home. Smiley face. I also have a question for you. Did either of you watch a, watch a film when you were a kid that you thought was brilliant, but as you've gotten older, realised it's really terrible and widely disliked? My main example for this is Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. I remember being amazed by the whole butter- butterfly effect concept and thought the whole film was great. However, as I got to adulthood, realised so many people hated it, watched it again, and it really is crap. Terrible casting, bad sound effects, stupid storylines, the list goes on. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. As soon as I get paid this month, I will give don- I will donate some pounds to your worthy cause. Love from Josie. Well, thank you, Josie. Um... Yes, uh, Josie, of course, is referring to the fact we do all of this for free and uh, those people kind enough to uh, uh, help us with our expenses, go to filmfandango.co.uk and donate from there. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. In terms of films you've rewatched, I feel like I have to watch Sliding Doors again because in my mind it's a really good film. I've not seen it for years and years and years. And there's also in my memory 
a scene where they show how awesome and nice and what a good guy John Hanna is by doing Monty Python impressions. And now that can't have been charming, can it? That doesn't sound charming. I've only, I think I've only ever seen it just after it came out. Yeah. And it, it's one of those films that's sort of non-offensive. It was always on for a while, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was, so it was, a, it was the of height it. of Gwyneth Paltrow's popularity as well, I'd say. Like, uh, Emma had come out and then she made this. So, uh, and probably done Great Expectation or something. I don't know. Have you seen Shallow How? Now. Uh, yes. One of the most se- sexist yeah. films I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, my example of this is the very first time I went to see it at the cinema. I think I've spoken about this before. It was Michael Crawford's Condor Man. Yes. Which was, I mean, ironically, I hate superhero films, but my first one I ever saw was uh, a very uh, uh, ill-fated uh, <laughs> British superhero film. Maybe because that was my first cinema experience at the age of four when we wanted to watch the Smurf movie and my dad, who didn't want to watch that and wanted to watch Condor Man, made us watch Condor Man. I thought it was the best film ever. In my head, the car chases were incredible. There's a bit, spoilers here, where... um, So Michael Crawford plays a cartoonist who is actually... who does about this cartoon called Condor Man who actually becomes embroiled in this sort of Russian plot and he's got this American accent which he's trying to do, which is awful. Right. And there's a car chase around Eastern Europe somewhere, and there's one bit where the, the car's coming towards him, head-on clash, uh, to be a head-on collision, and a ramp the, out of the bonnet comes a ramp, so the car drives over the top of the car and goes into a cliff. How do you how do you drive over your own ramp? No, so say there's two, there's a car coming straight towards me. Oh, I see. You I'm, press, the I'm other pressing car. a button. That's, I'm that's making clever. a ramp out of my bonnet. Yeah. Oh dear, someone's gone into a cliff. I haven't. <laughs> And I thought that was the greatest car chase ever. I watched this film back recently, really excited for having this nostalgia hit. And I just thought, either I was on too much cowpole when I was on four years old or something. It was terrible. I was really upset. You'd just seen nothing like it, presumably. Do, 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 Condor Man. <laughs> Condor Man. I've, I've not seen Condor Man. It sounds like I shouldn't bother. Have you seen the trailer for Birdman? That's coming out. Yes, it looks interesting, doesn't it? Does it does look interesting. Michael Keaton. A bit like Deadpool, maybe. That like the film we quoted before. But, uh, Deadpool, uh, maybe. Uh, what films have you... I'm trying to think of... I have seen anything that hasn't lived up to expectations. I still sort of... I don't know. I, 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 All of my old childhood favourites I've watched and are still enjoyable, I think. Oh, so maybe you've got the perfect judgement of things then, right? Maybe I've just always been this good. I don't know. Maybe that's it, Mary. Okay. Um, no, I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't think there was anything. You know what? I saw Life Less Ordinary again, and it, it was more pretty ordinary. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking it was sort of really out there and cool. And it's it's just a. It feels like a, a filmmaker has seen the Hudsucker Proxy and then made a sort of less good film. I tell you what, there's another. There's more letters. Go on then. It's. Um, do you want to read it out? Sure. Who's this? It's only that uh, birthday boy from a, we said it happened birthday for three Edwards. weeks in a row. Uh, he's Welsh. Dear David Maddock and Buddy, I've just listened to your last one and a bit podcast. I had to stop the last one because you were about to discuss Ten Rillington Place and I haven't watched it yet. And I just wanted to say a big thank you to you all and Chris Webb for wishing me a happy birthday. 
It was a lovely surprise. I'd like to thank my fiance Claire Martin, for doing this for me. She knows that Film Fandango is my favourite film podcast, and it was very thoughtful of her to send you guys a message. This is an absolute star. She, sorry, not this. <laughs> she is an absolute star, and it set, sat me through some right film guff, such as Only God Forgives. And although she isn't one for sitting down and watching a film for two hours plus, she does so anyway, because she knows I love film so much. I've been listening to the podcast since the first episode from your absolute radio days, but I am yet to see a film Fandango live as I have been unable to get the time off work. Are there any plans for another? Keep up the good work and thanks again. Angelo. Uh, then a thing about his accent. Um, no plans as yet, but we'd love to do another one, wouldn't we? Maybe we will. If we can be asked, but I mean, it, the horror one uh, took so much work. <laughs> yeah, and our DVD collections take a real hammering in prizes, don't they? So, I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to do another one. Maybe next time we should ask people to bring in DVDs they don't want anymore, and those can become the prizes. That's a good idea. That's a better idea, isn't it? Shall I read one more email before we uh, go on to the film? Be my guest. It's from Michael Friel. All right, here we go. Oh, we go. Uh, for accent purposes, I'm Irish from Northern Ireland, but not Northern Ireland. For accent wise, more Liam Neeson than Colin, Colin Farrell. Preferably not the borderline racist leprechaun one that normally accompanies an Irish listener. What's the, what's <laughs> That's the me. Is that you? That's me, yeah. I've only got one. Ah, yes, to be sure, to well, be sure. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Just do Zig and Zag. They, they're right. Okay. Northern Ireland is my dad, isn't it? Northern Ireland. I have a set of particular just, skills. I am very angry about something. I will find you, and I will kill you. That's a good one. That's the Liam Neeson. Maybe you should read it. Oh, oh well, I'll give it a go. Go on. Ah, Nord- well. Northern Quantum, good Northern Ireland, like that. Dear David Marrick, body impossible guest. Marrick recently mentioned the excellent Blade Runner documentary, Dangerous Days. This was a special This was a special feature on the Blade Runner DVD, Blue, uh, stroke Blu-ray. So it got me wondering, what do you guys think about the special features on physical movie formats? And if you do enjoy them, do you have any particular favourites? So my favourites are the making, and re- making of and retrospective documentaries on the Jaws Blu-ray and the fantastic in-character commentary on This Is Spinal Tap. Keep up the good work. Keep watching the films. Mike. Was that a good accent, you mean? I loved it. I prefer it to your voice. I prefer most things to my voice. Um... It's, it's an interesting thing Mike brings up, actually. We'll get to ones we particularly enjoyed, but it was a it may well be have been a brief window, this idea of extras, because you don't get them in streaming services. That's, that's a very good point. And you didn't get them on VHS. So this window of DVDs may have been, you know, 15 years long, and then we don't get to see featurettes, and, and they may not bother making them because... They made them to sell DVDs to make the DVD seem more appealing. Some of the documentaries I've seen, almost like a DVD extra. A really good DVD extra is just as good as the yeah. some of the cinema release documentaries out yeah. now. Yeah, but now maybe they won't bother. Yeah, presumes I think that's and that's a shame really because they're fascinating. Yeah, because the Blade Runner one I thought was great. Another one because I've got a very I don't have any. I get rid of all of my DVDs. I've got no um. Physical positions. <laughs> I can see. I mean, um, but a, I don't like to keep DVDs. It's a really sparse um, room. Because uh, from moving house constantly, uh, I actually haven't moved for ages, but I just get rid of them all. Well, because I gave away most of them for the DVD, yeah, for the Fandango thing, so I've got hardly left. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't watch as many as I should. But I was watching um, Frenzy with my friend Paul... Um, 
uh, Alan, who's a filmmaker and uh, uh, he's been on the show a couple of times, and the, there were those Hitchcock documentaries on the end of that. The one on the end of Frenzy yeah. on the box set was fascinating. Really? Really great, because you just, it starts off, and there's a sort of European guy saying, well, I'm here at London Bridge, and making this, I'm just doing a fake, I'm presuming with European accent. That's sort of Dutch accent, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'm here in London Bridge, and I'm going to be talking about a documentary and making about Hitchcock's frenzy. And you think, oh, this is going to be total shit. <laughs> but it's fascinating. You've got interviews all the actors talking about his techniques and how Hitchcock would say, you know, or oh, do you want to run the jokes? Or do you yeah, want to practice yeah. it first? Or should we just make it? Um, how What the market was like, how he treated the actors. It, I thought it was... Um, I had to leave because I get my train halfway through, so I can't accurately say what it was like. But it was... And how they did some of the shots... It was fascinating. We are there's really a, interesting. There's an amazing shot in Frenzy, if you remember. Have you seen Frenzy? I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's one of my favourite Hitchcock shots. I don't know if I talked about it before, where, uh, spoilers here, the criminal takes someone back to murder them, and you just see them walking up the stairs from the street, all up the stairs, into the flat, and the door closes and it goes silent, and the camera sort of moves back down the stairs, and you've not really seen anything like it, right back into the street, right back into the hubbub of the street. Right. It's so beautiful... And there's some terrible dated bits in Frenzy and sexist bits and really odd 70s bits. And yet, some brilliant Hitchcock moments as well. But um documentary on that was great. But I think your point um, was much better. I wa- no, but I wonder. I wonder what will happen to them. And commentaries as well. You know, will, will there be an alternate soundtrack you can press on Netflix or something to hear a commentary? Or will they go as well? Will they not bother making them? I mean, it's all about sales, isn't it? That's why they did them. That, that's where, why the studio's gone, here's a bit of extra cash to have, um, you know, an extra unit on set filming behind-the-scenes footage or... A reason for the fans to buy it. Yeah, DVD. exactly. So, you know, I hope that they don't disappear, I hope, but they may become less common. I don't know, but I wonder how DVD sales have um, been affected by streaming. Mm. Well, I think it's still the vast majority of people only watch films in the cinema on telly or buying DVD. Streaming is still a minority, but it's growing, obviously. And it's uh, it'll take a while, but... I mean, certainly the high street DVD shops are dying out, aren't they? They're struggling. Streaming... Uh, DVD Extra is almost a red button equivalent. Yeah. I think you want to do... Like, oh. Of course you could do it easily on a streaming service. Yeah. You just need... You know, it's just... It's another programme, isn't it? A sub-menu or something, but they, they may not be interested because... They get to dictate what films are available anyway, so it's not like. But I think it's great. I think that may, may will be replaced by the red button where you watch a film and say, "Do you want to watch the making of?" And it's always fascinating watching mm. the making of the thing you're. Yeah, yeah. Straight after when it's all fresh in your mind. I can never really bring myself to watch an entire um, alternate commentary, you know, DVD commentary. I don't like the commentary. Watching the entire film again. Although I think we've spoken about it before, um, or may, maybe uh, Tom Tuck has when he's been a guest on this, but. The commentary for The Saint, the Val Kilmer, Philip Noyce film, oh, yes. is just phenomenal. I mean, uh, Philip Noyce manages to not mention Val Kilmer by name once. They clearly <laughs> hated each other. Um, and he is he is stalling for time. The entire, he's just filling anything he can say. Uh, my favourite one being when there's just a scene in a van when they're driving through Russia and there's a couple of shots in a van and it goes, it's talking about, well, of course, uh, is he Australian, Philip Noyce? I can't remember. Uh, 
Well, of course, uh, they're in a van here uh, driving through Russia. But, of course, that's not where they are. They're actually in a soundstage. And uh, those lights you can see going through the windows, those are stagehands running by with torches. So, of course, it's a difficult job for the actors because they've got to constantly think, it's cold. I'm in a van. I'm in Russia. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. It's, That's it's, great. <laughs> and Moonrise Kingdom has some nice bits on their DVD extras with Bill Murray talking about his day with the cast. I can't, I can't remember my memory's so bad. Anyway, um, should we go on to the last section? Sure. You've seen the film, have you? Oh, it's quite a long podcast, isn't it? I yeah. Should... We should release it as two features. Yeah. I went to see mm. The Riot Club. The Riot Club. Say it properly. The Riot Club. Oh, the Riot Club. We're all very <laughs> pleased with ourselves. Very pleased with ourselves. Look at my hair and my chin. Um, so, uh, the, the Riot Club is based on a play... And it's called Posh. Yeah, which, and it's all about the, as everyone knows, there was the Bullingdon Club, which is this, um, is it Oxford or Cambridge? Everybody knows. Cambridge, Oxford, sorry, Oxford University uh, Society for Privileged People. It became famous, it's a famous photo of David Cameron and Boris, Boris Johnson, Johnson and George Osborne, I yeah. think maybe later on, all in their get up. Their di- tales and their, um, it's famous for being just like obnoxiously posh where the famous thing they do is go to a really fancy restaurant and trash the place basically and then just pay for the damages and walk away yeah um you know real just you know the worst people sort of stuff and they're yeah they're all just yeah uh, and they've they've all got massive influence later on in life blah 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 um, it feels very much like a showcase for... Uh, we talked about Pride last week when they're being... Ben Schnetzer being in the lead in that. He's also in this. Uh, there's a couple of other actors who, who are uh, in uh, Pride that feature in this as well. It just feels like this whole generation of new actors coming through. Mm. These good-looking 20-somethings playing these rich boys. So it feels like a showcase thing, really. They're all pretty good. Uh, there's that one who's ridiculously good-looking Douglas Booth sort of model guy. Who's he? Uh, one with a really chiselled face that was put on the uh, poster. There, uh, Max Irons is sort of the, the, the lead, sort of nice, the nice guy. They're all just these. Oh, people. Douglas Booth um, was in Great Expectations on telly with Gillian Anderson, wasn't he? He played Pip. Yes. And he does just look like a model. It's always really good looking young boy. Freddie Fox, who was also in uh he must have been, he must be looked to Edward Fox, is he the one Freddie, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um so it's a new generation of people and it, I interviewed Freddie Fox for um the Three Musketeers. Oh, is it nice? It seems fine enough, yeah. But what's odd about it is they all seem it, so it's all about these privileged classes and they basically uh, recruit a couple of new members and they go to a restaurant and their, their behaviour gets worse and worse. It's a fictionalised account. That's why they've changed the yeah. name from the Bullingdon Club, isn't it? For You do see some people work with Tony Way, who's in this again, as a cameo. He's in everything, Tony. Justin Edwards, my friend Justin Edwards. He's in everything, Tony. An angry restaurant um, goer. He was uh, killed in, uh, in Thor too, Justin. Oh, blimey. Well, he, well, he's doing very well. Well done, Justin. 
Um, that's the odd thing about this. You can sort of know what's going to happen. It's well acted. It feels in the second half very much like a play. You know, it's set in one room. Yeah. And how do they really maintain that excitement over in one room over the, the passage of like forty-five minutes? What's the what's the jeopardy? What's at stake? Because in the story, because presumably it would ring as totally false for one of these privileged uh, young uh, assholes to realise the error of their ways because that isn't true well that's pretty much what, what one person gets recruited is he's a good guy and he uh, falls in uh, has a relationship with uh, a working class Oxford someone who's gone to Oxford who's who just, plays the working class girl a beautiful girl is it Natalie Dormer no Natalie is it Dormer Holiday Granger no Natalie is it Jessica Brown Findlay it, it is Holiday Granger. Holiday Granger, okay. How did you know that? I just read the Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, the, what's odd about this, I thought it was very good, but I also felt as if these are really privileged people playing really privileged people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just felt, well, this is about, oh, they're, sort of, they're sort of mocking these privileged people and they're all arseholes. I thought, all these actors are rich kids who don't have to worry about anything or don't have to, about how they behave yeah. and it's almost like you're welcome to it. they've all by doing this film they've become part of the acting establishment like oh you're in the right club great give them a role in um, <laughs> great give them a we're, we're going to do that Christmas Dickens thing let's make great expectations or uh, yeah. or David Copperfield for the 18th time give them all the parts yeah. just go to the right club so it feels a bit like watching people on Joining some acting club at the same time as portraying the Brindon club. Yeah, I mean, currently in this country, probably the acting profession is as privileged and uh, and biased towards the uh, upper classes as politics is. So it see it, you're right. There is something a bit hypocritical about trying to take a swing at all of that when it's all part of the establishment as well. I do think it's fascinating and worry uh, coming from we're both from a comedy background and. I'm from yeah middle class background. You know? Yeah, me too. But it, it's incredible how many Oxbridge people are in comedy. Incredible. Mm. I hadn't encountered before in my life. And you go, oh right, you're Oxbridge, Oxbridge. You're working behind the scenes, and it's and it is difficult for people to make their way in in comedy because you can't get sustainable income. For more than you well, that's, one, that's a huge part of it, isn't so it? So, to, to carry on, you need to have. And the other part is, is a shared language and understanding of the world, where you know you bump into people who have had the same upbringing as you, and you can instantly talk to them and have a rapport. Whereas, if you, you're from different backgrounds, it takes a bit more work and time and effort. So, you know, yeah. you tend to go, "Well, I'm going to go with that guy because we seem to get on immediately." So, I don't think I want people anymore. No, I know, I know. I mean, um, I, I try to get blotted out. I mean, that's very good of you. Yeah, you're welcome. I enjoyed this film. I thought it was, it was well acted. It just feels like going to see a play in the a play in the cinema. You know those films. Yeah, that feel like a play in the cinema. But they can be good. They can be good. You know, some some I small. Think like Glenn, scale. Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, yeah. that's a brilliant one. That's almost like a masterclass in acting. Yeah. It, it, yeah well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? If, if I'm going to be forced to uh, forced, but if I'm going to watch like an intimate portrayal of characters where I spend a lot of time in close proximity with the same people in a room, you know, getting all claustrophobic, I'd rather they were interesting actors with a bit of life experience and uh, 
a bit of variety rather than all 22-year-old posh pretty boys with nothing to say. They're not all pretty boys. There are some more interesting ones. And there are some quite dark characters in it. And Are they uh, good in it? That's the thing, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and they're all really good actors. And okay. you can think, oh, here's the next generation of superstars. I didn't necessarily feel satisfied. And I think it would be far more interesting to be in a room where this destruction of the room was happening live. Yes. And you didn't have that in because it's so intimate and it's so, as you say, claustrophobic. You almost need to be in that room to yeah. feel the power of the... Uh, just the arrogance and the, not the atrocities, but the sort of bad behaviour firsthand rather than for that separation of, of the screen. Is it is the film all, look how disgusting this is, or does it also at the same time glamorise their lifestyle? No, it's, it's... A lot of them are two-dimensional, some a bit less than others. Yeah, they are all portrayed as bad guys, yeah. They're all, apart from the guy who joins, maybe doesn't decide it's not really for him. Right, Okay. But it is the overprivileged monsters who think they can pay people off. And they can. And ruin, and ruin, and ruin people's lives. So it is a sort of anti-aristocracy film, which maybe isn't totally fair. Well, it's... it's I haven't seen it, but I, I, my guess would be it lacks teeth by making them so villainous rather than just the deluded, self-important... But it's watchable. Like it's watchable. And I thought it was... It lagged a bit towards the second half when it went to the main bit of the play. Okay. By having being stuck inside the same room and, and not enough, you, you you know what's going to happen. How many Marricks? Seven. Okay, that's all right. That's but a probably catch it on telly film, isn't it? Yeah. I'd or say a I seven. think I think if you are not a big theatre lover, I can't even say the word properly for a start. Um, but I think this is something that would work better than a, a play rather than. Uh, translating into film. Well, it was in the West End for a while, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. Great. Well, that's that's us for this week. Um, join us next week when we'll be talking about yet more films. Please email in and don't forget, keep watching the films. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.